Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. It's time for Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! A lot of buttons around here to push. Got to make sure you push all the right ones. Oh, we got it rolling now. Welcome in. Nuanas now. Happy Monday, everybody. Nuanas now, your one-stop shop for all things sports around the great treasure state each and every Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. You want to watch on your mobile device or listen on your mobile device, your laptop, tablet, whatever you got, go to 1029ESPN.com, click on the Listen Live tab. You can also find us on YouTube. This is an encouraging development. We're going to be YouTube superstars. I hear this is the way that you get rich now. Your kids should be on YouTube, I feel like. I am surprised they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Just because the amount of YouTube that they watch. Right. I mean, Ninja Kids are a real thing. I never heard of the Ninja Kids. My son has Ninja Ninja Kids paraphernalia, and I look at these kids, and I'm like... They're making a lot of money. Oh, they're making so much money. Ty Grigorak, by the way, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez. We're going to be all over the place today because that's what we love to do here on Nuanez Now. But, man, those YouTubers, I'm telling you, man, like, are they into the blimpy, the the clown guy who, like, teaches all about I mean, interpersonal relationships and things? I, I, probably. I don't know. Well, whatever. I read this article. This guy made, made $35 million last year. Yeah. He's putting on clown birthday party <laughs> performances. It's like, wow, how is this even, how do we get to this point of reality? I don't know. Yeah. Here nor there, though, go subscribe to our YouTube channel because we have formative 
very serious sports content here on Nuanas now. But the YouTube channel, all, in all seriousness, looks awesome. Uh, Tommy and Reese have done a great job of putting the graphics on there. They got the ticker tape. They got all uh, the phone numbers and all the things you need to do to get a hold of the show. By the way, this is actually exciting. I got to look it up on my phone here because it's going to take me a minute to get this uh, memorized, but probably not actually because it's going to be easier for both me and you to memorize. We have a new phone number. This is the phone number. This is all you need to know. None of this 381-361. No, no, no. It's easy. 406. Everybody that's listening is in the great state of Montana. 888-1029. Just like this station Call letters 888-1029. You can call us or text us 888-1029. And uh, we're going to have a lot of interaction uh, today in the show. We have a lot to get to in today's show. We're going to talk about various levels of college football programs. There's some that have been pretty darn good pretty much for the duration of both Ty and my lifetime. There's some that were once great that aren't quite nearly as good as they once were. Nebraska is a, a program that jumps to mind, but there's also a lot of other programs that were very prestigious in the 90s and early 2000s and aren't quite there yet. And then there's some of the new new faces at the table, you know, the Boise States of the world. Stanford, for example, has always been a prestigious school, but has not been this level of a football program, except for over the last 10 or 15 years. Why, though? We're going to have that discussion here uh, right off the top. It's also heating up in the prep ranks, so prep postseason coming up uh, this upcoming weekend. State softball for the AA levels up in uh, Kalispell, and state tournaments going on around the state of Montana uh, for all classifications of softball. And it's also state track and field this weekend as well, the C meet here in Missoula. So we'll give you full coverage of that as well. Second hour, do a couple rapid-fire questions, and then hopefully you guys will get involved as well, either giving us calls or shooting us texts. We're going to open up the text line. We're going to talk some of the uh, some of the best of the best when it comes to recruiting uh, that Coach Ty had in his career over, over the last almost two decades coaching both sides of the greatest rivalry in college football. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit of defensive schematics and get into some NFL stuff as well. Julio Jones, if you haven't heard, out in Atlanta. He said, I ain't staying here anymore. So what does that mean uh, for the Falcons? Oh, and by the way, I forgot the maybe best part of this whole deal. Gus Tutel going to make his illustrious return about 4.30. Gus is... Uh, Fifth wheel is in Charleston, South Carolina. Why is that important? Well, the PGA Championship was just in Charleston, South Carolina. So this guy was FaceTiming me from the practice green at like 6.45 in the morning because it's East Coast time. So he was ready to roll. And I'm sitting here almost waking up like, what are you doing, dude? And then I realized, oh my gosh, he's at the PGA Championship. So we'll get full in-person recap from Ryan Tutel, the former co-host of this show as well. Where are you at with golf? Are you a big golfer? I don't even know this about you. I love golf. Um, I love to play it. I love to watch it. I mean, I love watching sports in general. Um, I come from a really, really good golfing family. My well, da- well, you're from Spokane, and yeah. I think people that don't know this, Spokane is like a golf mecca. There is so many golf courses in Spokane. Yeah, well, there's a lot of really great public courses right. and, and with with a really good uh, price point. You can get on a lot Cheap, of those. Man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can. You can play a lot of really good golf courses in the Spokane area for a pretty good price. Um, but yeah, my, my dad was a really good golfer and played at the University of Washington. Um, I had multiple... Oh, he played golf in college? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. so he's like, he's a stick. He's, yeah, he's scratched to this day. I think he's probably playing right now or getting off the course. <laughs> um, That's like the dream of a 
retirement, right? Yeah, I mean, I've got an, an uncle that's a golf pro. I've got multiple cousins that are golf pros. One was on the tour for a long time. Oh, wow. Uh, his name was is Alex Prue. Um, his brother, Corey, is a golf pro there in Spokane. And then uh, their sister, Hillary, uh, played golf at Montana State, and she and I are the same age. So a lot of really good golfers in my family. I am a hack. I can hit it a ways. I cannot tell you which way it'll go, uh, but I do enjoy it. I mean, Candace and I, shoot, that was one of our favorite things. Um, when we were uh, younger, uh, we actually were members here at, at Missoula Country Club. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you had the under under 35 deal or whatever it was. Sure, where, sure. Where you didn't have to pay an arm and a leg. And that was one of our f- things that we loved to do, honestly. Uh, after work, would would maybe just go play nine and, and have a beer. And, and uh, obviously, when you start having kids, that changes. But we <laughs> we, st- we, st- we still go and do that. I mean, we call it family golf. And, and you know, we'll go put, we're, we're nine-hole golfers. I mean, I, on, on, in, in all reality, I'm like a 12, 13-hole guy. Because <laughs> after that, you're like, oh, my God. Well, I mean, we're... <laughs> I mean, I mean, how do you how do you commit four hours, oh. four plus hours of your day to See. go do? I mean, most people can't go. They, do they that. can't. They can't. It, um, it is one of the beauties of being single. I'll tell you that. But also, when people ask me what I love most about golf, you might actually not, not know this about me. I'm obsessed with golf. I play hundred plus rounds a summer. Uh, I tell them how long it takes. That's what I enjoy about it the most. Sure, I love that it takes a long time. Yeah. It, it, it is fun. It is fun to you know just go walk on, and if there's nobody out there, you know when you when you go play nine holes uh, and you can do it in you know in a little over an hour, that's fun when you're just kind of cruising and clicking. And you know I it, I'll, I'll say this uh, since getting out of football a couple of years ago, I actually have got to go play more golf than I've ever played in my life. I mean, really, when I think about it, in my coaching years, it was always, um, you know, GSA events or, or, or uh, you know, different booster deals or, or corporate sponsor deals. And, and so you go out and play and you're usually playing in a scramble type thing. And so it's been fun the last couple of years. You know, I get, I get a pass there at Bridger Creek and it's, it's re- you know, relatively uh, inexpensive for, for a pass and just go out and whack it around for a little while. So most of the people that are listening, they know, but... Kai Gregor, he coached uh, both Montana for a dozen years in the Montana State for three years, and that's how we got to know each other. And now he's sort of remade himself into one of my favorite co-hosts here on Nuanez now. And uh, he's living in Bulls right now, so that's the mention of, of Bridger Creek. But here in town for some business and, of course, some fun. We are going to have a lot of fun in this show, but we have to start out with a very somber um, rest in paradise to a great friend of this show, a uh, great supporter of ours here at ESPN Missoula, Mike Spike McGowan passed away last week. Um, people that have been in Missoula for a while, they'll remember Mike for a variety of reasons. He was an outstanding f- player for the University of Montana in the late 1980s. Uh, he was part of a group that sort of set the table for what then would become one of the great runs in the history of college football. Uh, he's from that same age group as guys like Mike Rankin and Kurt Scrafford and Timmy Houck. And so I'm sure all those guys are really torn up because Mike was definitely he's definitely gone too soon. He couldn't have been. I, I, I we don't have many many details about his death, but he had to be in his early to mid 50s. But Mike was an outstanding player at the University of Montana, a three time uh, All Big Sky selection on the football field. But perhaps the most impressive feat during his uh, younger days was the fact that he was one of only three three-time academic All-Americans in the history of the University of Montana. Dave Dickinson, Vince Hunsberger, and Mike McGowan. And for those that don't know, being an academic All-American is perhaps the hardest accolade to achieve because this is not 
1A1AAFBS FCS. To be a first team academic All American, you have to be the number one player in terms of GPA and academic achievements at your position in the entire country. So that that's an amazing accomplishment in itself. Mike then remade himself in his post-athletic career into an awesome mentor in this community. Uh, he came to every single one of our pregame shows before Grizz Games would always give us all the love. Uh, he's such a kind and nice man and uh, a guy that mentored a lot of people in this community. I know he was a coach. He was very revolved, involved in the religious community as well. He was the team chaplain for quite some time as well. He was a team chaplain when you were at University of Montana, right? He was. So what do you remember about Mike? Because this is one this is one that's a gut punch for everybody in Missoula. Because Mike, seriously, I know that we were when when people die, oftentimes we speak with great reverence for them, and we should, but Mike was such a kind, awesome guy, man. He was so cool to us all the time. I didn't know him well, yet I knew that he was there for me and he always would give me a hug after the pregame show and he was just a solid dude, man. And this this one hurts a lot and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are hurting a lot more than us. But you had a chance to be around him a little bit at least with your, in your time with the Grizz. I did. <clears throat> when I got that news, it was almost, you almost did a double take. Like, And, and I'll be honest, I've lost touch with Mike uh, since I left. Sure, it happens. Uh, in early 2016, I guess. So it's been about five years. But um I'm really sad for uh, really sad for his family, his loved ones, um, his his children. Um, he was always, uh, you know, the things I remember about him is he was really intelligent. Like you were just so saying, intelligent. He, he was just he, he loved history. Um, he loved talking history and, and and politics and world affairs and what's going on in the world. Um, you know, having coached generations of, of linebackers here uh, in Missoula, he was always. You know, really, really good to that group of, of young men. Um, always took him under his wing, and and um, he was a deep thinker. You know, and I think I think he liked getting to know, uh, in particular, the linebacker groups, um, but but others as well, uh, um, on on just a real personal level. And and so, you know, he 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 was nothing but intensity. Uh, so intense. You know, man. I mean, it's not not to make light of of such a sad thing, but I'll, I'll never forget. You know. <laughs> Him having to be restrained on a sideline because he was so upset with the referees. Oh yeah, or, uh, oh yeah. You, you know, you know, where a referee, you know, looks at you and goes, "Hey Ty, who is that guy?" And you're like, "Well, that's our team chaplain." You know, and and he's saying every word under the sun and getting after. I mean, I think I think he was banned from the sideline <laughs> well, for for a while. I yeah, I, I really yeah. do. I think he. I, I think Bobby had to remove him from the sideline for a time being. But uh, a wonderful man. Um, I just it was. I'm so sad for for. Like I said, his loved ones, his friends, because he uh, he has a lot of friends, especially from that era. Era, but but all uh, all the other eras since. I mean, he's just, sure. his hand. Uh, he, he just had such a uh, a calm guide for an intense guy. He just was a he had a calming touch uh, on on so many individuals uh, that have gone through this program, and um, it, it was really really sad news. So my heart breaks for his loved ones, uh, and Grizz Nation because Grizz Nation uh, lost a, a great one. He contributed so much to the community in so many different ways. I know he used to help out down at the AO House, which is the the fraternity sorority on campus that has uh, some Christian affiliation. And I know he was a uh, he did a lot of weddings. He officiated a lot of weddings for a lot of the Grizz guys that I was in school with that you coached. And, and so this one's going to resonate quite a bit. And uh, it, it is... It's definitely a gut punch to be sure, um, but rest in peace to Mike McGowan because he, he was a true, unique, and a very original guy, and uh, as someone that didn't know him very well, 
certainly thoughts to his family and his friends. But uh, I'll always remember. I'll always remember him sitting at our pregame shows listening. And he'd at the end, he'd always listen to the end because he wanted to hear the score prediction. He closes his eyes and he'd start getting all intense. And then as soon as, it, if either Gus or I said, you know, we got the Grizz, 34, 14 or whatever, he would give a big old fist pump. He'd come up, he'd rub us on the head, and he'd just jog across the footbridge. So uh, he was quite a guy, and uh, he will certainly be missed around here in Missoula, around the state of Montana, and, and everywhere in the world that he that he made uh, an impact in. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Ty Gregorak in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez. Okay, so I was thinking about this. I, I, uh, I have my bookshelf over here, and one of my favorite books on this bookshelf is called The Undefeated. It's about the 1947 through 1952 Oklahoma Sooners. So th- this was the uh, probably the, the team that people, the history has sort of forgotten about because this was right in post-World War II college football in, in its uh National exposure had not quite become what it is now, especially outside of Notre Dame and the academies. There wasn't as much exposure for teams like Oklahoma yet. I mean, television was in its very, very infancy. But Bud Wilkinson was the head coach, one of the great coaches in college football history. But they still, to this day, have the record for the longest winning streak in the history of college football, 47 games. But then I was thinking, well, from Bud Wilkinson... Uh, who then he coached all the way through the 60s, then into the 70s with Barry Switzer. And then, in the, I mean, Oklahoma's always been good. There's never been this moment where you're like, well, what happened to Oklahoma? Because we look now across college football and you, you always think, well, why isn't Texas better? Why isn't Nebraska better? There's these programs that you think, why aren't they better? Oklahoma has kind of just been steady. Alabama, you could argue, I know they had the in the 90s that was maybe not where they are right now, but they've always been pretty darn good. Um, Ohio State has pretty, been pretty much stem to stern in our lifetimes. Pretty darn good. I know Notre Dame is under the biggest microscope of probably any program in the country, but still, they've been pretty dang good. I know they haven't won a national championship since 1988, but Notre Dame's still always getting you know top ten recruiting classes, five star guys. You know they're, they're always in the mix. They're always in the conversation. Georgia's been pretty good, and then the last one that's been pretty darn good for the last for pretty much the duration of of the modern era of college football, surprisingly, is Penn State. Even though they had the massive scandal and the death of Joe Paterno, I actually think that uh, post Jerry Sandusky scandal. Penn State got it back on track probably faster than you could ever even imagine. I mean, a scandal like that can can crush a university as a whole, let alone the football program, forever. And they didn't. And part of it's just because of the tradition there, but part of it's because they made a dynamite hire. James Franklin, I mean, Bill O'Brien, you can say what you will. He was good. He was the right guy at the right time, but then James Franklin is just taking that thing uh, all the way back up to being, quite frankly, a top 10 program. Well, then you look at some of the programs that aren't what they what they once were. Regime Seabrook and I talked about this two weeks ago because we were comparing and contrasting the USC teams of the early uh, 2000s with the with the Miami teams of the early 2000s, and both those sort of fit the mix: USC, Nebraska, Tennessee, Texas, Miami, Michigan, Colorado, where you played your college football. Uh, so let's start there. Let's start with the Buffs because I think that's a great example. I mean, Colorado. Uh, for the younger listeners out there, people forget. Colorado won a national championship in what 1990? Is that mm-hmm. right? Yes, sir. And and was a top 15, 20 program for sure, and definitely one of the two or three best programs in the Big 12. When the Big 12 was one of the two or three best conferences in the country, you played at Colorado in the late 90s, mm-hmm. uh, and that was sort of 
the end of the the glory days, and then it's it sort of gone downhill from there. So what are the factors that have gone into sort of that program uh, following from where it once was? Well, I think, you know, so I went there, so they started recruiting me, Bobby started recruiting me, he, he was the, he had the region, um, so that would have been, I, I probably started getting them stuff getting stuff from them in 95. Um, so they, so the, yes. they were rolling then, right? Well, that, that's what I'm saying. So they, they, they were five years from remo- removed from a national championship. They, but they were really, really good. Still had, all, all through those years. I, I mean, mean, that's like Cordell Stewart yes. and Rashad Salam yes. and, and yes. some of the best players in college football yeah. in the nineties. And they were getting great recruiting classes that, you know, Bill McCartney, um, it's similar kind of to cure in how, you know, they'd had some good teams in the past, but the tr- tradition really wasn't there, sure. I mean, they had good teams, but then Bill McCartney really built this thing into a, a national powerhouse, and they were beating the perennial powers for recruits. I mean, I think my class was the number one or number two recruiting class in the country at the time. Yep. And and then after my sophomore year, Coach Neuheisel left. They replaced him with Gary Barnett, who uh, was on Bill McCartney's staff. Went to Northwestern, yep. turned, turned that place around, uh, got, got him into a Rose Bowl, and next thing you know, he's the head coach there. And uh, into the early 2000s, they were still having some pretty good success. In fact, Gary Barnett took them to the Fiesta Bowl. So they won the Big 12 in what would have been the 2001 season, I guess, um, because I was already at Washington as a GA. They went and played Joey, Joey Harrington's team in Oregon. Sure, lost the Fiesta Bowl, but then, but then, next thing you know, it just it's become a, tr- a trickle down effect of, you know, replace. Repl- then Dan Hawkins becomes the coach, and then he doesn't last very long. And I mean, there's been, I mean, off the top of my head, if, if there hasn't been a, a half dozen coaches for sure since then, right? I mean, it's got to be close, and so. You know, I, I, in terms of what you're talking, I mean, I just think when you start rotating coaches and new philosophies, we've talked about this before, you know, t- uh, teams and programs that have, have sustained some stability mm-hmm. uh, within the program, especially the coaching ranks, I think. Now, all these, I mean, this is college football, all these have experienced multiple coaching changes well, right. since then. I mean, I know I've mentioned Kirk Ferenz. I mean, he was kind of, he, he might be the only head, head coach. Uh, in, in, in the Power Five that has been there since... At I Iowa, th- right. I, I think I... When did he get there? Probably 98 or 99? Late, uh, late 90s, late yeah. Late 90s. So, you know, all these other programs have had a ton of different head coaches, but culture, the one thing I would say is, you know, as you were talking, these teams that have kind of always been good, I can just give you the example of when I was being recruited in the 90s. Uh, Alabama wasn't as good. Sure. I mean, I'll just... T- because I, I was pretty fortunate to be a pretty pretty national recruit. Sure. And so I was getting looks. I mean, I, t- I, I took my, I took a trip to Ohio state, uh, in which, you know, they, they, it, they, if they beat Michigan. So that was my, that was my visit was the, the you was, went to Ohio state, Michigan for your visit. For, that was my big, the big game was my official. What a visit. And they lost that to Michigan and ended up having to play Jake Plummer in Arizona state in the yep. Rose bowl. If they win that they're playing for a national championship. Right. John Cooper's problem was is he couldn't beat Michigan. And so right. they fired him. Even though, he, I mean, he, his, like if you look at his record at OSU, like... It's as good as Woody Hayes. He's like 125 and 40 or something crazy. <laughs> I mean, he had a great record. Notre Dame, the Bob Davy years, you know, right. post-Lou Holtz. And, yep. and they, yep. they, they were not as good. Now, sure. everybody looks at Notre Dame because they're on NBC every week. And right. and they, they've always, where college football has really changed and, and, and just technology and, and the, the sheer amount of money these programs have, teams are going... 
coast to coast. Wasn't always the case. You stayed pretty regional. I mean, going to Colorado right. out of Washington was kind of a big thing. Sure. Because I had, you know, the, the entire West Coast and the old Pac-10 that, For that sure. wanted me, you know, Washington. But, but I grew, but I grew these, up a Husky fan. These, these, school, these schools like like Oregon right now, you look at Oregon's roster, they have multiple guys from Florida. That was not no happening question. until recently, right? Right. That just, they, there's no... I mean, you wouldn't that, even think of doing or, it, right? I rem- Sadly, I mean, I, I hate admitting it, but like... Again, Oregon back in the '90s. I mean, they'd call and be like, "Hey, mom, I'm busy." You know, <laughs> right? I mean, just but, <laughs> totally. but now you're like, oh, you know, you, totally. drop, you drop anything to talk to uh, the head coach. You know, so I don't know. It's just been a you know these these schools. I mean, back in the '90s, it was Nebraska, Florida State, yep. Colorado. I mean, these teams that you're saying have kind of dipped a little bit, which which they have. But there's just been so many ebbs and flows in some of these programs. I mean, uh, SC in the mid 2000s was winning or, and playing for national championships and won a national championship. 100%. Florida State. That's an I mean, that's an enigma. You know. Nebraska, that's you know again, and I I, I went to camp there uh, one summer, you know, and when you see Tom Osborne and, and and you know I think I think Grizz Nation's kind of seen it now. You never want to be the one to probably replace a legend because it's sure. hard. I mean, it's just hard. I mean, you know, you look at what's happened with with uh, the Lady Grizz, you know, and, 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 and trying to replace Robin Selvig. I mean, uh, I know the University of Tennessee women's basketball program. I think they've had multiple For sure. head coaches since Pat Summit. You I know, mean, it, I, I told the story on the radio two weeks ago when Chris Redpath was in here, and we and we were talking. We were doing our around the Big Sky and women's hoops, um, and we were talking Lady Grizz, and, and I said that people forget. At once upon a time, Bart Starr, the guy who won the first two Super Bowls, one of the most revered athletes in the history of the Midwestern United States, was run out of town in Green Bay, Wisconsin, because he was the one that took over for Vince Lombardi. Right. <laughs> you know, right. even even Bart Starr gets run out of town. So it is. It's it's almost impossible to take over for a legend. It, it is, and I just I think when you you know they had me shoot Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini, they were winning what nine ten games a year, and that wasn't good. It enough. wasn't good. And they ran him out. Right. Mostly because I don't think a lot of people liked his demeanor and his attitude and the way sure. the way he was as a head football coach, but I mean, you hire a guy like that, you kind of should know what you're getting. I mean, he'd been in the program for a long time, but then you have the uh, uh, Callahan come in and they can't do it, so they fire him. And you know, now now they now they get the Golden Boy back, who you know who I played against uh, Scott in Frost. Scott Frost. Yep. And he struggled to get, I mean, this is year four. It's like, okay, we got to make a move in year four, you know? And, and, and so I don't know. I mean, I look at, I look at these programs that you, you've list, listed off and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. But I mean, again, and then you have, you have Montana at the bottom there. You, you know way better than me, but I've heard and, and what I know about the history of Montana is for a long time, this school was known as a basketball school. 100%. You know, and next thing you know, football really, they, they, they start investing in football and they build the stadium and, and I, I guess, and, and I kind of witnessed it firsthand. You, you mentioned the University of Washington, and they've really done a good job as of late getting it back. I mean, it's crazy to think that, what, 10 years ago or less, they didn't win a football game. They went, Tyrone Willingham, who recruited me at Stanford, went over, over yeah. at Washington, you know, and, and, and Coach Peterson got him in, into a playoff, you know, a couple years before he retired. But, you know, I, I was a GA at Washington for two seasons. So after I graduated, so that would have been the 01-02 season. So I was with New was the yes. head coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so Coach New and Coach Houck and all those guys. Like, I want to say it was about half the staff left after we had beaten Oregon in the Aloha Bowl. That, that was the 98 Aloha Bowl. And I remember... You know, hearing from the coaches. I mean, I'm just a young slappy going to get coffee and work until midnight, and then hanging out with Coach Dom, who you remember. Um, but we but, can't tell any of those stories on the radio. No, it's amazing how I don't even know how we did it, honestly. But <laughs> but but I but what I do remember 
Barbara Hedges was her name, and she was the athletic director. And she, they poured a ton of resources into other sports. Um, uh, women's softball got really good. They built them a wonderful facility. Their volleyball team got really good. Next thing you know, they hired Lorenzo uh, Romar. They get really good in basketball. Yep. And it's like, don't forget about the big dog who pays for all this. No question. And you, and, and then if you start letting that slip, then then that other program, the. Washington's a great example because the school straight south that I told you that I would say, nah, I'm good. I don't need to take that call. Yep. Now they're getting dudes, a lot of dudes, like you said, from Florida. And they're, you know, they're, I mean, they're probably it right now on the West Coast in terms of, I, I haven't seen the early season or, you know, pro, prognostate, what's the word? Uh, Prognostication. Pro, Prognostication. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I was a you, gotta com- use, you gotta use your hands to yeah, get that one out. And I was a calm major at Colorado. I still don't <laughs> know what I did with that. Um, but you know, again, it's just, that's college football and it's crazy to think. So the ones that can sustain the success, I mean, I listen to all the pundits you do on the radio and stuff and, and, and where you, football is very much a coach, coach driven sport, NFL and college. Like if you've got, if you've got the dude leading the program, that, that success is going to, it's just a matter of, can we win it all that year? And so I think some of these some of these schools that are fi- always you know who's the next Nick Saban or or who's you know the the um, the coach at Iowa State right now that's just hot. I mean he is hot. Mm-hmm. Matt Campbell. I yep, think he Matt turned, Campbell. Yep. I, there's rumor out there he, he turned down the Detroit Lions for like six seven million dollars, and you know it, it's they're all, they're just trying to find that 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 figurehead. And obviously you got to be a good coach and great with people and the boosters, but a lot of these programs. It's like three, four years, get the next guy. Three, sure. Three, I mean, some of them don't even get that. And, and that, that's the biggest issue, I think. Why is Oklahoma almost always consistently being good? When's the last time Oklahoma fired a coach? You could argue that Bob Stoops maybe sort of got forced into retirement, but he was still there for 22 years. Yeah, and, but, and, and it, Bob, Bob Stoops said it. I think he said it, and I know he did, actually. He's like, eventually they just get tired of looking at you. That's right. You know, I mean, that's Bob Mac Stoops. Mac Brown's happened to Mac, him Mac te- Brown. at Texas, too. Right, and, and what's gone on at Texas since they got rid of Mac Brown? <laughs> right. right. You know, I mean, I know... I know a couple, you know, we're back. Well, you beat a, a pretty uh, uninspired Georgia team, and frankly, you weren't back yet. And, and then, and then they whack a guy that th- three and a half, four years ago was the hottest name in, in football, right. you know. And so, I don't know. It's 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 interesting for sure. I mean, you got you got Kansas State. They were good. Right. I mean, well, they were so good and tough. And now they've been up and down, and it took that guy forever to retire and unretire and retire and unretire. And I hope I hope that crew does good. I mean, Courtney Messingham's there as the OC, yep. and yep. Um, yeah, U- UCLA. You've got U- UC, you've got multiple uh, uh, Pac-12. You know, B- BYU. BYU had a nice season, and this was such a crazy, sure. weird year. Anyway, but I mean, you know, BYU had a what was he the second pick right in the draft? I mean, sure. that's pretty amazing. So Syracuse is slowly trying to get back, but I mean, Syracuse has always kind of been a basketball school. Yeah, they had Donovan. Sure, you know, I mean that's been forever ago though. Now for sure. Oh, I mean, I was, I thought it was actually surprising. I put Syracuse on this list because I looked up Sports Illustrated actually did a top twenty five programs in the nineties, and they had Syracuse ranked as the twentieth best program in the nineties, which I thought was interesting. But they did they did have a couple they had a couple. They had a quarterback before McNabb, I believe, too, who was pretty darn good. Oh, I, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, who, so, do you remember? Uh, do you remember off the top of your head who was the top five? Um, it was. It had to be Nebraska. Nebraska. Florida State. Nebraska. I think it was Florida State, Nebraska, in that order, uh, and then Michigan. Um, We'll look it up on the break. Yeah, we'll, no, it's so big. I mean, Michigan was good. We, we actually played for sure. Well, I mean, they won a national championship. So my first game, uh, so I played and eventually started as a true freshman. And my first game was against CSU, which it always used to be. And, and I think they're still going to do it. I don't know if it's just going to go home and home now. It used to be at Mile High. Sure. 
But, but back in 97, they were still doing home and homes before it went to Mile High. And so that was my first college game. Um, and then the next week we went to Ann Arbor and they, they had a great team. In fact, and I think I've told you this, Coulter, in 97, we played both national championships back when you could split the national championship. Right. We played Nebraska to finish the season, who split with Michigan, who we played game two. And that's when they had Charles Woodson and, I mean, a backup quarterback by the name of Tom Brady. And they, they had a really, really good team. Right. Uh, Greasy. Yeah, the, exactly. They, exactly. They had a lot of guys. I think I, it, was my, it was actually my 19th birthday. I think, I think knowing my mom, she's got the videotape somewhere. <laughs> and uh, Bob Greasy, Bob Greasy gave me a happy birthday, and they're like, "Remember that name?" And I don't know why anyone would have remembered it because three years later, I was done with football altogether. But uh, now, I mean, the '90s were a good time in college football for sure. It, it, it was kind of, you know, so many changes, you know, because we used to be able to. Now you have to tuck in your jersey, right? You right. didn't always have to. Back in the day, you had the, the short jerseys. That was cool. Uh, you know, at Colorado, we used to play on the old tough. AstroTurf. We went to grass. The 90s were, you know, you kind of were coming off that steroid era, you know, a tough time of college sure. football um, where, I don't know, I mean, it was it, it was a really fun time to play college football for sure. I think we do agree that head coaches and money are the two biggest factors. But I think there's some other factors that go into all this as well. And we will readdress some of this in the second hour here on Nuanez Now. I'm Coulter Nuanez, Ty Gregorak, sitting in studio with me. Is Charleston, South Carolina... The sneaky coolest city in America, and is Bill Mickelson's win at the PGA Championship yesterday the most unlikely major championship win? Gus Tutel, former co-host of this show, will tell us and more. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. If you've been paying attention, you know what Wolf Mother signals. Signals nothing but greatness. Welcome back. It's Nuwana's Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. SWX Montana Television. Want to give us a call? Shoot us a text. This is very cool. Tommy Evans, I don't know how this stuff gets done. I don't really know even how it works. But somehow, someway, we won the ability to have a new phone number. And our new phone number is very easy. It's 888-1029. That's that's it. 406-888-1029. So that's easy to remember and uh, impossible to forget. So use it. Call us, text us, any of it. And uh, be involved in the show. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Ty Gregorak in studio with me. And speaking of the phone, we're going to go now to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and welcome in the former co-host of this show and also one of my best friends in the whole world and a guy that just saw history 
live and in person in Charles, Charleston, South Carolina. It's Ryan Tootill joining us on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Gus, thanks for the uh, 745 uh, FaceTime the other morning. I obviously had not arisen yet. Uh, how you living, my man? Uh, I'm living great. If you would have answered the call, you'd have seen some pretty incredible shots right there on the sideline being at the PGA. But uh, this is uh, this is pretty good, too. Nice to be with you guys. Well, here's the thing. 97% of the time you FaceTime me, either before the sun is up or or after the sun is down, I answer, and you're not wearing any clothes. So I, I was basically just, you know, helping myself out. Didn't want to start my day off, you know, on the wrong on the wrong foot. <laughs> Why would it be any different just because I'm at a golf tournament? Well, that's exactly right. So, Charleston, South Carolina, let's start there because you are on your uh, across-the-country road trip, keeping up with the two-tails, and uh, you guys made your way to Charleston, South Carolina. You, this is this – is, your wife has family there? Is this Do I have this right? Yeah, well, we're actually staying in Moorhead City, North Carolina, which is about five hours up the Atlantic coast. So we've been parked here in a uh, driveway at my mother-in-law's house, very uh, very Christmas vacation-style RVing in the uh, front yard with a bunch of neighbors, pretty unhappy that what we've done to this, this, uh, this particular uh, corner intersection here. But uh, we said, hey, we are very close. Like, relative to the country, it's around the corner. It's one state away. If you could go to a, any golf tournament, but a major especially, you should go. And a uh, good friend of mine was in the area, and he said, we got to do it. So we drove down, went through Myrtle Beach, had a nice uh, lunch at Myrtle Beach, and then spent a couple of nights, and then a big, big Friday. Uh, we were there. We went, we went for the Friday round. I think there's uh, there's a lot of different ways as you assess it on which round's the best one to go to. Obviously, everybody wants to be there for Sunday to see the championship, but you, know, you go on this weekend, think about this. You don't see Dustin Johnson. You don't see Justin Thomas. You don't see a bunch of these guys who you really want to see whether they make the cut or not. So Friday was an unbelievable day. I was on my feet, I'm not kidding you, like walking for probably 12 hours. We were on the course for 15 hours. We, we left the uh, hotel at 6.30 in the morning. We got back at 11 p.m. Uh, on, uh, on Friday. So we, we put in work. I mean, uh, we, we, we did the whole thing on Friday at uh, – at the ocean course at Kiowa Island. Well, on TV, it looked pretty darn impressive, but uh, watching a major championship live and in person, what is something that is different or unexpected than maybe what uh, you would assume or predict it might be like? Man, a lot. Uh, I, I got to say, so now I, I got to, I sort of need to couch this in, in the reality. I've never been to a PGA event before. Sure. I've been to, I went to the US Am once uh, in 2010 at Chambers Bay in Washington State, and that was awesome, but nothing like this. So how, how would a major differ, differ from just, say, like, you know, the Byron Nelson or some, you know, kind of, if I may say, run-of-the-mill PGA event? But I, I will say this, the field unquestionable. I mean, it's the strongest field of the year, and every single guy out there, you're just like, oh, okay, wow, there's just Danny Willett, who is just a Masters champion, and he's, you know, number 83 on the list of people that you you recognize, but, but and then you go, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, and so, I think the thing that separates majors is, is I mean, the intensity to some extent, especially on, on the weekend, but the personnel, I mean, you might get, you know, three of the top 10 and 10 of the top 25 players in the world at any given PGA event here. It's just to a person down the line. But what, what really struck me is just the access. Uh, it's not even the access. It's what the sport is. I mean, 
any game, any sport that we you know normally attend, you've got football, basketball, baseball, whatever, it is, you know, the lines create what the floor or the field are, and that's where the game takes place. In golf, where the ball goes is where the game takes place, and it goes into the people a lot, as you saw on Sunday, uh, notably. But, you know, when it goes over by you, all of a sudden, well, here walks up Brooks Katka, right? And he's just standing there figuring out what his lie is, where he wants to hit the ball, whether he wants to lay up or go for it and all this stuff. And you watch the whole thing happen, the conversations that the caddies have with their, you know, with the players and all that. And you are, it's intimate in a way that no other sport is. And it's a thrill, man. Like I know that golf to people who don't care about golf or whatever, it just seems like the most inane sort of boring thing in the world. And sometimes it certainly can be that. It's a great way to take a nap on a weekend afternoon if you got golf on your TV, you know. But to stand there and watch these guys do what they do, but also sort of be front and center for it is uh, is something that you don't get really in any other thing. And it was, it was amazing to me. Ryan Tutel joining us, Rangers Brothers RV phone line. It's Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Ty Gregorak in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Ryan's on the other side of the country. What about the guys just physically? Because one thing that's so striking about going to professional sporting events for team, the, the, the big three team sports, or even the big four team sports, NBA, MLB, NFL, and NHL, is no matter how much you could ever look at a roster or, or you know project what these guys are, they're totally different in person. They're so big. 6'4", 250 in the NFL compared to the guy who's 6'4", 250 plays in Montana and Montana State. It's a different species of human. It's not even the same thing, just the muscle structure and just how big these guys are. But PGA players are not that, how do you say it's unusual, I I guess, physically. So what what was your perception of just seeing these guys in real life? Yeah, I mean, it is pretty remarkable uh, when when you look at, you know, down the line, you know, Zalatoris is like 104 pounds, I think, now he's gotten up to. I mean, he's just like, you know, he's just a spit of nothing. But here's something all these guys can do. They can crank, right? I mean, their core turn and flexibility is crazy. And for a lot of these guys, and this is the thing that stands out, is the levers. I mean, from Keegan Bradley to Bubba Watson to Dustin Johnson, you know, and on down the line, the the sort of arm leg length proportionality is crazy. And so it's not the size at all. Even for a guy like Bryson DeChambeau, right? Everybody talks about, well, how huge he is. Well, in the golf world, he is pretty big. You know what? He and I are almost about exactly the same size and I might have him by a little bit, you know what I mean? And, and so like, it's, it's not about that. It's just about the way he has designed what it is that he does to influence a drive, which is, I must say a remarkable thing to watch. I mean, I was, I was on the tee box for Bryson DeChambeau a couple different spots. And it, uh, you know, they talk about some like knockout punchers who just are heavy handed. He is, he is heavy driver. I mean, it's not just the velocity, but there's something different that goes on, but he has worked his way up to that. But I think in by and large, you see what is like a, a, a pretty amazing sort of, it's an athleticism mixed with an intense skill that their bodies, you know, are certainly built to, and they have worked their bodies into being built for that. You know what I mean? And so a guy comes up to you and, you know, when Billy Horschel is standing in front of you, 
you wouldn't think anything too much about him. But when you see him golf, you go, oh, wow. Like, he's a master of his physique in what he does and how he's trained it to, to be able to accomplish this task of, of hitting a golf ball. Ryan Tuto recapping the PGA Championship. He was there uh, this last weekend. Got to catch Friday's action live and in person and obviously followed the tournament throughout. Phil Mickelson, the champion, the oldest major champion, I believe, by four-plus years. Jack Nicholas won the Masters at age 46. Phil Mickelson, and even 50 on the dot. So lefty uh, adding to his legacy. And that's the last question then for you. I guess we'll get you out of here on that. And then maybe I'll let you and Ty uh, talk about whatever the hell you want since we've, uh, you know, Ty's yeah, been man, sitting here. Yeah, man, what's good? I talked to Paul here. He's who I called for. <laughs> Hi, Gus. Regardless. Regardless. <laughs> Gus, what do, you th- what do you think of this, though? Uh, so I, I, I was thinking Phil Mickelson will forever be tied to Tiger Woods, no question. And Phil Mickelson has had three iterations of his career and three distinct iterations that are maybe different than almost any other player in PGA Tour history. For a long time, he was the best guy who couldn't win a major. Then he became the guy who could win majors if he just kept it between the rails because he has such a swashbuckling and, and sort of chaotic style. Phil swings for the fences, so to speak, more than maybe anybody in the history of the tour, but certainly uh, as, as uh, he, he's as brash as anybody in his generation. But then he became sort of the old guy that would comp- – old, quote-unquote old, but uh, – a guy that could still compete with some of the young bucks, even though he his his best years, at least we thought, were behind him. But I think now this victory vaults Phil Mickelson into a whole new era uh, when it comes to his legacy on the PGA Tour and as a professional golfer. I think he's a top 10 guy now as he adds his sixth major to his belt and he does it at the oldest age uh, in the history of a major championship winner. So what do you think of, of what this does to Phil's legacy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is uh, significant, you know, to get a sixth major. I don't know where that places him in terms of all time, but he's he's right there, you know. Uh, you go Jack Tiger and then everybody else, and and uh, Phil's on that list to become the oldest major champion. I think is really significant. Uh, I think that's an accomplishment. I, I, I don't know how many accomplishments Phil's got that Tiger doesn't have. Well, this is one, and it's likely going to continue to be one. And and to distinguish yourself in that way uh, and to sort of demonstrate emphatically the longevity of the career that he's had uh, is is really remarkable. And, and really, golf is about that. I mean, you can be you can be really good for a while, but not a lot of guys are really good for a really long time. And Phil Mickelson is that. And you know, it it, it was a blast on on Friday. Uh, we were there at the ninth hole, which was the 18th hole for him. He started on the back nine, and he made birdie at nine, his 36th hole, to go to five under. And within two minutes of that was leading the tournament because Brandon Grace doubled on 17. And we are sitting, you know, on the ropes watching this guy, this master, who is having this flashback. And you at that moment, you're like, can this really last? Or a guy's going to track him down or whatever. But in that moment, to see that crowd rooting for him and sort of the history of it, but also just the way that he plays the game with what appears to be reckless abandon. It's certainly with an all-in attitude of, of, I'm not here to play it safe. I'm here to go for it. I think that's you know always been Phil's calling card and why people love it. And to have it all come together and make a birdie and go to five under and head to the weekend as the uh, the de facto leader, in the, at least in that moment, he ended up being one back going into the weekend. Uh, was unbelievable and to get to cheer for a guy like that and sort of have all of that on hand was really amazing. Where is he right now in terms of, you know, his world ranking? 
and on not, not not even just the world ranking, but what is he actually? Is he really a top ten guy, or was this a course that really set up well for him, which I think that it did? You know, I, I, it's hard to say, but you can't take away number six. And I think, especially in the sport of golf, what that does for his legacy is significant. Like he's a Hall of Famer and all that, but you know, he's playing. You're playing against history. You're playing against all the others. You're playing against Tiger and Jack and everybody every time you step out there. And uh, when you're a guy like Phil, you're playing against those guys. And this uh, this puts him into a unique space that, that you know, uh, uh, I guess it, it demarcates uh, a career that now has something that's utterly um, singular about it. Ryan Tutel joining us, Rangers Brothers Army phone line. It's Nuana is now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Ty Gregorak in studio with me, Colter Nuanas. Okay, guys, you guys can talk about whatever the hell you want now. What, say one thing to each other that you've been just holding back, because I know you've missed each other dearly. Well, hey, Gus. Yes. Two two things from me real quick, and then I'll let you go. One, um, I picked out my shirt today with you in mind. I went into my closet. He did. Yeah. He did. I picked out my nice <laughs> flannel. This is so I got a flannel. Oh, like, excellent. Ty, Ty, yes. The difference is that Ty's is probably a designer brand, and he bought it new at a department store, whereas you found yours in the road. I can't replace yeah. you, Gus, yeah. but I can just try to look like you. And, and, uh, oh God! Uh, yeah. The 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 thing the thing I took away from yesterday, and I don't know what you guys saw. Obviously, you're down there, but you're sitting there watching this. Well, two things. One, I actually think the fact that he did what he did at 50 is so much cooler than than his sixth. Uh, okay, yeah, it's, it's his sixth major. Great, it's yeah. Phil Mickelson. Whatever. I mean, the guy makes 40 to 50 million a year just on endorsements. I mean, he's Phil I mean, Mickelson. I mean, he, but, he he made Brooks Kepka the steeliest competitor in the game melt down. It, it was like father and son. The the little guy couldn't beat his dad. Right. It was amazing. So so the, the my takeaways from it was one, he looks good. Like you looks can tell, great. you can tell he's kind of revamped his probably his diet and his workout routine because sure. he kind of had those pudgy years now too. For sure. And he's like, well, hey, uh, Tom Brady's still doing it. And some of these guys are still doing it at a, at a high level at an older age. And and the fact that he, he looks great, went out and won. And, and for me, it just looked like we're back. We're back to somewhat normalcy. I mean, it looked like a freaking rock concert there <laughs> for sure. towards the end. And the, these masses of people are, are running to the next hole. And you're finishing 18 with a 50-year-old. Uh, and it was just so cool, and it looked like we, we it looked like maybe just maybe we're getting out of this thing, and, and, and we're getting back to normal. Seeing that many people chase a yeah. fifty year old guy it was awesome. You know that that's that is that is so true. You know, I, I feel very good. I was, we were able to get vaccinated while we've been on the road. I'm really grateful that we got that, and, and what that sort of gives you in terms of sort of you know confidence, feeling good about being out there with other people and all that kind of thing. But to be at the tournament and see all these people. And, you know, you're running around. I know it's still not the full crowd, but it didn't feel like it. You know, it felt like a pretty full house when you're walking around on the grounds. And so that was something that, uh, you know, was was awesome. You know what I mean? And you get you get that that thing. And I can't even begin. I mean, I could go I could go six, eight hours straight on takeaways from the tournament, from the event, from the fans, from the players and everything like that. But the number one thing that I want to say to Ty Gregory, you're the only man that I know who's got calves that rival Phil's. I mean, these are beautiful sets of lower <laughs> leg muscles between the two of you guys. So I, I think that's that's high praise, man. Phil's got the, the calves of all calves and that Ty Gregorak right there. If, 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 if only my calves could lead to a sixth home in the Yellowstone Club like Phil's got. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, <laughs> 
I, 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 I guess he's pretty prevalent up up there. Oh, he uh, is. He, he is. He's there all the time, and and I've heard, I've I mean the way he, the way he plays golf, I've heard the is also the way he lifts at time. That man likes to go. Yes, he indeed. likes to go. That's from exactly well right. That's exactly right. Well, Gus, welcome back anytime. Obviously, it's your show. I just participate still. But uh, appreciate the time, my man, and uh, be safe out there. And, and uh, tell everybody, especially my my spirit animal, Kai. Tell him, tell yeah. him, tell him I'm thinking Little about man. him. Tell him what, what we're gonna have some probably some steak for dinner, and uh, you know, tell him that that he, he he's coming up. I, I know he will. He, he's gonna want some steak for dinner tonight too. I bet. Well, that sounds just about right. I never even answered your first question. Charleston is sweet, yes. <laughs> and now we will all eat steaks. Uh, so uh, very good. Always good to be on with you, you fellas, and hello to all my all my people in Montana. Right, See you guys. Till. Thanks so much for joining us. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Hey, NBA playoffs are on pretty much every single night for the next 40-plus days. Silver Slipper, they have 55 TVs for you to watch all the action. Whether it's the NBA, the NHL, whatever other sporting event you might want to watch, Silver Slipper has it on for you. They have drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. Stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. Postseason action, particularly on the softball diamond, that plus more college football right after this on Duana's Now. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. ESPN Radio. I was really busted up about the news about Mike McGowan. If you missed the, the we did a little tribute to, to the former Grizz player and, and Grizz football team chaplain at the beginning of the show. He, he abruptly passed away last week. But, uh, man, he was just such a good guy, man. And uh, big loss for the Missoula community. Anybody that knew him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's one of the most unique and witty and smart individuals I came across. I did not know him well. I know a lot of people around here knew him a lot better than I but he will be sorely missed. But that that one weighed on me a lot this weekend, and I thought about it a lot. And uh, it, it was it was real gut punch, man. It really it really brought me down. But that's all to say that it always makes me feel so much better when all my friends are here hanging out on the show. It is Nuana is now Ty Gregorak in studio with me. He's not right now because he just went to get some water because we're up against it. He'll be back for the second hour here momentarily. And it's also great having Tommy back in the back as well. Producer Tommy running the show for us. And uh, I got to tell you, Coulter, I spent my weekend working and listening to Bruce Dagnab Springsteen. Let's go. 
He is the boss. Thank you. The absolute boss. Thank you. Anyone who's walking around going, oh, Bob Dylan's the great... Forget Bob Dylan. See? Crank up the Bruce, what did man. You, what did you love? What were, tell, me, tell me some of your best cuts. What I found was uh, No Surrender. You love it. And then what I found was the like acoustic one-man performance of No Surrender. Oh, yeah. Hit me. I mean, that was you like to, a you really need to get impact- downbound train in your life. You need to get I'm on fire in your life. Yeah, okay, yeah, that was the other one. So you also, the other thing you got to remember is that Bruce Springsteen has two pivotal characters throughout his songs. In the okay. 70s, he was writing about Mary. Mary, I believe, is his sister's name, but it was he was telling stories about his his first love. Oh. And then there's Bobby Jean. That's this that's his love of the uh, of the eighties as Bobby well. Bobby Jean. Once you get through the the catalog, then we're going to go into the Gaslight Anthem, and we'll show you how Gaslight Anthem was influenced by Bruce Springsteen. All right, cool. Time now for a prep excerpt presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, great supporter of youth athletics across the state of Montana. State softball tournaments are taking place across the Treasure State uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, they all get started on the 27th. So there's three state softball tournaments in Montana, AA, A, and BC. So the uh, AA tournament, which is up in Kalispell, gets started on uh, Thursday. And um, Missoula Sentinel, the one Garden City representative, they will play in, in the first game, Missoula Sentinel versus Great Falls. Belgrade versus Helena Capital, also at 2 p.m. So there's two fields up there in, in Kalispell. So they'll have uh, two games going at once. So Missoula Central versus Great Falls High, and then Belgrade versus Helena Capital. And then the nightcap, it's Billings West versus Helena, and Kalispell Glacier versus Billings Senior. So uh, Glacier Wolfpack, they're salty. They're really good. They're a team to watch, but the Sentinel Spartans will be representing Missoula there. Uh, but Notably absent, a couple of teams, uh, Missoula Big Sam, Missoula Hellgate, and Bozeman, uh, and Butte, all not in the uh, AA State Tournament. So we'll keep you up to date with all the stuff that's going on up there in the Flathead. Class A tournaments, there was five qualifiers for this. Polson gets the number one seed, and they get a bye uh, into the, I guess it would be the undefeated semi. This is a double elimination tournament. Corvallis versus Glendive at 11 a.m., and Livingston versus Columbia Falls, also at 11 a.m., will be the first uh, games of the... Oh, excuse me, I guess six teams, because Lewistown also got a bye. I'm sorry, I didn't see the bottom half of the bracket here. So six Class A teams, Polson and Lewistown buys. The Corvallis-Glendive winner will play Polson, and the Livingston-Columbia Falls winner will play Lewistown. And then the BC tournament, it's columbus Absorky Park City. They have a three-way co-op against Ennis. St. Ignatius Arlie Charlo versus Huntley Project. Florence Carlton versus Shepard and Cutbank versus Manhattan. It's our prep extra presented by Farmer State Bank. Why are some of the most prestigious programs in college football history continuing to struggle in the modern era? Why do others have it seem to have it all figured out? Plus, some quick hitters. Who are some of the best recruits Ty Gregorak has seen during his college football career? And we'll get you ready for tonight's Missoula Paddleheads game as well. Our one in the books, our two coming at you. It's Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.